So, Marianne, tell me what you have been up to in the last few weeks since we last spoke on the podcast. Well, I've been working on two real highlights of the year. It's the launch of our Global Colour Trends and Colour of the Year 2021, which is coming up in September. Always my favourite time of the year. Plus, Colour and Design Awards is in full swing, and that is keeping me really busy. Yeah, tell me a bit about the Colour and Design Awards. Well, Colour and Design Awards rewards and recognises colour in design by new designers. So these are young designers who are coming out of, of college and uni and they're graduates and so they are submitting all of their work at the moment and we've got judges looking at stuff and and getting very excited so we've got about a month to look at it all and I I thought we would only have a few submissions but flipping heck Steph you've got loads (laughs) we've had hundreds I bet how about you Steph well for me I've still been at home quite a lot just obviously with with the kids and I have an eldest daughter who is six so I've been on a bit of a homeschool journey you could call it so you know in summary I think I've never learned so much over the course of this like three months <laughs> than I ever have um, before in you know as an adult so um, her topic at the moment is rainforest so I've learned all about the rainforest how long the Amazon River is where the Amazon is which I which I did know and yeah just all kinds of facts about rainforest animals so it's kind of embarrassing, really, when your six-year-old comes up to you and says, "Mummy, what what is a tapir?" I'm like, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even begin to guess what that is. And now be quite you honest. know. So now I have to be like, Yo, "What is a tapir?" Into Google and uh, and find out for myself. So it's really been a bit, a bit of a journey for both her and for me. Ah, and in other news, um, I've been doing a lot of admin, which is kind of boring to talk about, really. But the admin has been around my youngest. So I've got twins who are there'll be four in January and. Uh, they are going to be starting preschool in September. So we've just kind of been doing a lot of getting them ready, getting talking about school. Yeah, just lots of excitement. I will be a parent of three school-going children from September, which I'm secretly very excited about, but also feels like it's the start of a new era. Well, let's get back to the real world, Steph. Let's dive into the world that isn't anything to do with domestic bliss. Yes, (laughs) no, (laughs) we've got other things to talk about on the podcast. So why don't you tell me what's coming up on the show today? Well, we've got another full rainbow of a show this week. We'll be opening up the big leather bound colour lookbook and we'll dive into one special colour and tell you more about it and how to make the most of it in your home. And we'll also be talking to an amazing colour expert who will really change the way that you think about colour forever. I'll also be putting on my white coat, dusting off the paint stethoscope and answering all your decorating ailments as Dr. Julux. And let's see how I do this week and whether I will receive a promotion or not based on my previous performances. <laughs> well, we do have a lot to get through. So in today's colour lookbook, we'll be finding out about arguably the most tranquil, wink, wink, colour in the spectrum. It's the colour we can see more shades of than any other colour and it's the most restful colour for the eye to look at. All around the world, this colour means go. And it symbolises life, growth, freshness, nature and fertility. And some people believe it even has healing properties. Although a car in this colour is considered to be very unlucky and you're more likely to have an accident. And it's the only colour in decorating that really does work with every other colour. And it definitely has the potential to make smaller spaces appear bigger than they really are. Have you guessed what the colour is yet, everybody? Oh, well, of course, the colour is green. Green. And green really is the colour of the moment. Um, And you could even say colour of the year. Wink, wink. You see what I'm doing here? 
definitely seen green becoming more of a thing in decorating in the past four years, haven't we, Steph? Yeah, definitely. All the shades from the deepest forest green to emerald and softest sage. It's the colour that reconnects us with nature when we feel we're too disconnected from it. And at the same time, houseplants are becoming a real thing. They, they're kind of as cool accessories as cushions and, and candles. And it's that addition of the kind of living green things becoming really important in our homes that puts green in all their glory firmly back on the interior colour map. Definitely. I mean, I've never killed so many houseplants in my life over the last kind of 12 months. <laughs> Definitely a skill, I think, that I need to acquire, how to look after houseplants. My mum used to say that um, you, you don't become a gardener until your kids have grown up and left home because then you pour all of your love into those plants. And I have to say my house is full of plants and I have only just started to keep them alive. Definitely need some practice then by the sounds of there it. There is hope. <laughs> so I know I'm um, going back to uh, greens. I know at the beginning of kind of 2019, so going back to this time last year, we saw a lot mm-hmm. of people suddenly talking about kind of minty shades of greens. Everyone was really talking about this sort of movement around this kind of green area called Neo Mint. And that was all kind of set to be the next big thing. So, you know, that is very much a shade that that we've seen kind of coming through last year, but it seems to have evolved as we've gone into this year, doesn't it? I think when when we first saw it, it was a kind of sharp, it was a crisp, pale mint green and and it looked great in clothes and and products, but it just didn't look good on walls. It didn't, it wasn't easy to live with. It's quite fresh, isn't it? Or it can be quite fresh, which is maybe a bit scary so what greens work best in different rooms of the house which one's going to work best in my bedroom which one's going to work best in my kitchen so Steph give us some advice so yeah it's a really good question there there is so much choice out there I think it's just about picking the right green for the right space really what I'm really enjoying kind of seeing coming through in in content from influencers as well as through kind of tastemakers out there are um, a lot more pickup of the olive and green colours that are out there at present. I really love seeing how those kind of more greyed off shades of green can be used to make really grown up spaces. So really great for bedrooms, I would say. I really love colours like mossy stone, which you can find in our range. Um, Overtly olive is a really great colour for living with as well. And there are some really fabulous new colours in the colour mixing range that all have a kind of grey undertone to them that just make them really sophisticated and almost operate as a bit of a neutral and just make other colours work really well with them. Wouldn't you agree, Maria? I do agree. What do you mean by neutral? We have a language in colour sometimes and we don't really explain what that means. We go, oh yeah, it's a neutral. What does that mean in colour? What does a neutral mean? Well, I think something that's neutral kind of doesn't necessarily live in uh, an individual kind of colour family, as we would call it. So, you know, like a, a red or an orange or a you know gold or a blue. You know, a neutral is something that it kind of, as the name suggests, is a really great colour that you can have as a backdrop that doesn't really have a specific colour area coming through within it. It doesn't have an undertone to it. Talking about the language of colour, we just talked about neutrals. There's another language that we use when we describe in colour, we describe it by temperature. And so we talk about colours being cool or warm. And so I'm going to talk about cool greens. And cool greens are those greens that have hints of blue in them. So they're they're more blue greens and they give this kind of cool, this chilly, breezy look to a space. Think peppermint, think emerald, pine forests, sage, that kind of cooler end of the spectrum. And these greens are absolutely perfect for rooms that are south facing, where you've got lots of light. Even if you've got lots of artificial light, they look amazing in those rooms because they kind of cool it down and they look really, really chilled. So 
Tell us about warm green, Steph. Yeah, I'm a real fan of of kind of warmer shades of any of the hue families, actually. I really like uh, warm greens and we call them warmer greens because they sort of have those tones of yellow underneath them. So whereas the cool greens have more blue, which is obviously kind of one side of green on the colour wheel, the warmer greens tend to have more yellow in them. And they do then have a very specific way of warming up a space in the home. So when I say warm greens, think of like those, all of those tones that you find in your, almost in your kind of like fruits and vegetables, um, you know, like your fresh pea greens, those spring shoots think of those grass meadows and those beautiful fields they're really really kind of scrumptious colors I was going to say that's a great word <laughs> also the, the the warm greens that I really um tend to kind of gravitate towards are kind of those more kind of khaki type greens as well and that's a color I, I really I haven't found a space for it in my home yet but it will at some point they have this kind of yellow undertone to them which just kind of adds a layer of kind of coziness to them yeah the opposite of course of the greens that you were talking about so these greens are really perfect for making cold north facing rooms that have that kind of cold north light that really feel kind of cozier and more welcoming so definitely if that is something that you want to add into your space and you have a north facing living space then warm green could be the color that you're looking for gorgeous i am really in love with those really bold dark greens at the moment colors like mallard green you know that really dark almost blue green color pine needle so it's like a dark forest pine needle color and palm night these colors they're like a cloak of invisibility in a room they just sort of make the walls melt away and they're they're dramatic but they don't demand attention so what's your favorite dark green so my absolute favorite dark green and I, i do tend to like darks of any color out there but i do really have a thing for dark green and in my living space at the moment i have got emerald glade which is one of my favorite colors in the dulux range and i know is very popular out there with people who have tried it so far um, so I um, I have a the, the wall behind my TV and the wall opposite that. So I only have two walls in it are emerald glade with a kind of quite a sort of neutral grey tone on the walls, different to that. And it, it's it is kind of bright and it is bold, but you know we tend as a family to spend quite a lot of time actually in the kitchen or you know or outside. So what I really wanted to do with that space is absolutely have like a bright bold colour but not use it everywhere because we don't want it to be completely sort of darkened but it's still being the colour that it is gives a little bit of personality and when you do turn down the lights in the evening it has a really nice tone to it when you put like a lamp on or if you put you know candles on or if you put like a side table lamp on it just has a really great dimension. So Emerald Glade, I would say, is definitely one of my favourites for sure. I would definitely (laughs) recommend that to anyone who's looking at a kind of bright but bold choice. Mm. So with dark colours, fortune favours the brave and greens look amazing and you just have to be confident. And even if you don't put them on all the walls of your room, just like you said. So what colours would you team with a really dark green? Yeah, I mean, exactly as you've said, Marianne, I think, you know, my my advice would be, firstly, if you're attracted to these sorts of colours, then just do it, you know, be brave Mm. because you shouldn't feel afraid of darker colours because it's really about how you use them and where you use them to the best effect. And that's the same whether it's a green or red or an orange or whatever. You know, if you feel like you want to use that colour, then you should go ahead and do it. So my second piece of advice, I guess, answering your question is, I would very much suggest using them in rooms where you really want that kind of haven 
And it's more of a personal space to you that, that it's less about having an energy about its person, you know, so less of a family space, maybe, or spaces that you want to be really cosy and inviting and snug. And you want to be kind of wrapped in a really lovely, you know, colour. So I would definitely suggest darker colours working really well in, say, a bedroom. Like I know we've um, we've talked about that earlier in this episode. So you aren't generally in your bedroom for a lot of your day. You know, you will probably go there to relax of an Speak evening. for yourself. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, well, unless there's other things going it's on. It's the weekend, yeah, from Friday to Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Unless you'd like lock your husband in there or maybe your kids. But generally speaking, you know, you are going to your bedroom to kind of wake up and start your day and you're going to your bedroom to, you know, maybe read a book in the evening and go to sleep. So why not have your bedroom in a colour that really aids that process, you know, where you can Mm. feel like you're being wrapped in, you know, that element of darkness and cosiness Mm. because that's, you know, that's what we need at the end of a long day. So I do think they work really well for bedrooms. And I do also think they work well in those, as I say, those more kind of personal rooms that, you know, you use as one person. So maybe like a kind of really snug home office space or Mm. like a place that you go to read or a place that you go just to kind of be with your thoughts. Now, I don't have one of these spaces because there isn't there isn't time for that. However, I have a, have a beautiful home office with a lovely reading chair within it. And it is probably in one of these really lovely dark green colours for sure. So I, th- those would be my pieces of advice. You know, have a think about what you're using the room for. And then if you're feeling brave and if you want to be bold, then just do it. So I love green and I've yes. got a house full of plants. But what colour would you put with green to make it look amazing, Steph? Well, we've talked about the value of neutrals earlier already. So green, you kind of can't fail with green in a way because it kind of is its own neutral but also teaming it with another neutral shade like a kind of stone colour or a lovely soft grey I think will really make the green stand out and have its own personality. The other colour combination I really love with green and I know is kind of really coming through in a lot of um, imagery and content that's out there is green and pink which I know we've talked about pink I love it Um, and I'll tell you what the, the reason that I chose emerald glade for my living room is because I found this lamp that was from Oliver Bonus and I absolutely fell in love with it it's got like a it's got a gold base and it's got this my husband would refer to it differently, but this amazing fuchsia pink <laughs> lampshade. And I just needed to have it in my life. So I bought it. Just I did, didn't have anything to match with it, but I just bought it anyway. And then I just thought, what colour would work brilliantly with this real fuchsia? And I just, like Emerald mm. Glade, it just works. You know, those real jewel tones together, I just yeah. think work amazingly. And even if you didn't want to be as bold as that, other colours would work brilliantly too. I think it's lovely because you've got a young family as well. And you've got that energy and fun that's encapsulated in those more intense colours. So that pink and the green, two opposites just going, yeah, like a party. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I saw the other day, I saw this really lovely combo of rather than the walls being painted green, the skirting boards and doors were painted green. So they were painted in a really, really soft green, almost a neutral. Completely. And actually, funny you should mention that because my mum, I do, I do, I do like considering my mum as our kind of average consumer when I have my marketing hat on. My mum gave me a call a few weeks ago and she said, I, I, she just moved into a new house and she wanted to be brave. 
And my mum's version of brave <laughs> is usually like putting various different, very bold colours everywhere in a random combination. Um, oh, wow. But I did encourage her this time <laughs> to have a think about it. And she has gone with mossy stone, which is actually very similar to Jurassic stone, as a kind of feature that goes above her bed and then actually up onto the ceiling. And then with oh, the rest gorgeous. of the walls being in blush pink. And so wow. it's exactly the combination you just picked up. It looks amazing. It really, really looks amazing. Oh, and fantastic. I think it, it brings out the best in both of those colours individually by putting them together. So definitely a great combination there too. Go mum. I'm very, very impressed. There are so many greens out there, but there's definitely one for everybody. You know what it is now, Steph? Mm. It's the bit of the show where we learn something new about colour from someone incredible. Oh, I love this lady. So I am really, really excited for this one. So keep us on the edge of our seat, Marianne, for no longer. Mm. Please tell us, who have we got for a bit of colour know-how today? Well, we've got applied colour psychologist and author of the international bestseller, A Little Book of Colour, Karen Parler. Hey, Karen. Hello. Hello. Long time no see. It's been ages. I really miss seeing your lovely face. It has. As I was thinking, you, know, you were reminding me, when did we actually meet? It was definitely back early 2000 somewhere, but I can't remember where. But I think our paths just kept crossing and we kept on. And I just remember kept thinking, oh, I love this lady because she loves colour so much. And and I just remember that we, yeah, we just kept crossing and crossing until we, yeah, finally started hanging out together and talking all things colour. So, yeah, it's been wonderful. It's a great connector. It is. And it's a lovely thing because we always say that with colour, you don't need any words. It's this beautiful unspoken language. And it's one of the few things that is universal. I mean, obviously, there's food and there's sport and there's other things that are music, but Colour is one of these beautiful, beautiful universal connectors, which I just love. Yeah, yeah. You have always been one of my colour heroines because you combine this sort of way of looking at colour that's it's creative, but it's also incredibly intellectual. And so being able to talk to you now about your take on colour is something that I am thrilled about. And uh, I'm going to put you on the spot with some interesting questions. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but, but first of all, for the people who don't know you and love you like I do, tell us what you do and describe that job. Yeah, so I do something that's highly researched, but very, very little known, and it's called applied colour psychology. And what I do is, and which you've alluded to just before, I'm really, really fascinated how colour influences how we think, how we feel and how we behave. And I am very tenacious that I want to get under the skin and understand human behaviour. And I love how I then equate that to colour. So what I mean by that is I look what is going on in the world and I look for patterns of behaviour. And so there'll be a whole lot of information, but then I funnel it all the way down and I distill that into how human behaviour is reacting, responding in any given time and then the colours that we are drawn to. But then it's right down to the practical level how we can use colour in our homes, how we can use colour in the workplace, in restaurants for healthcare, well-being, you know, mental health, how we can use colour in a really positive way. You encapsulate this feel-good colour. And 
We want to know what colours make us feel good and why do they make us feel good? When it comes to the psychology of colour, every colour has positive and adverse effects or or traits. And a colour can make one person feel good, but not another. So what we are doing, because we're sensory beings and we're sensing what is going around us all the time, we're sensing our environment and we're taking in the whole of the environment, what that colour is or those colours are, what the tones are, what the proportion is, what the intensity is it's all of these things that will have an effect on us. So, for instance, red, we will have a physical reaction, but it will be a stimulating response. This is universal, but it is whether you feel the positive as in active and alive and full of energy and really motivated, whether you feel that positive side of red will be depend on the, the red that is used, what it's used with, the proportion placement. If you will feel the adverse side of red, Words like aggression, anger, um, you know, overwhelmed, that phrase seeing red. This could also be because of the tone, the placement, the proportion, what, what it's used with. And I didn't mention the context, so it's the context as well. So every colour can feel good. It depends whether that is right for you at that time. And how do we choose our own feel-good colours? Where would you start? The simplest, simplest thing that I would say to everybody, because if they haven't studied it, they haven't learnt from me, if they haven't done a course or read books or done anything on it, if we trust our innate intuition and if we really go within ourselves and really connect and think, okay, which and think and feel which colours that we really, really, truly resonate with, that is the easiest and the simplest way without having any knowledge. All you have to do is watch children and children do this beautifully. For me, the happiest moments are when I can sit and watch children picking colours that they love to draw with, they love to paint with crayons. And even if I say the simple question is, oh, you know, how do you feel about that colour or, or why did you choose that colour? Then they will they will say just innately what that means to them. It's just beautiful. I've noticed at the moment that people are migrating to green. Do you think colours come to the fore in certain times to give us what we need in those times? Or do you think that everybody just responds on an individual level? Yes, there are people that follow what their neighbours got or there, there are those, there, there is that, but we were in a stage also economically that people felt very unsure, very unsafe, and they, and grey is the colour that we, we use to fundamentally hide behind, to not be seen, to hibernate, to hunker down, and, and, and a lot of people were using the grey as a colour of safety. So we definitely do respond, and, and I have noticed you know, obviously there was the rise of grey and now grey is, is is on the way out. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting actually to see what happens now because I think people are polarising again and they might be going towards grey. So tell us a little bit about green that we didn't know, Something, some interesting fact about green. We can see more tints, tones and shades of green than any other colour. I'd say we probably have more words for green than any other colour. Green sits in the middle of the visible spectrum, which is why we find green very restful because our eyes need little adjustment. So when they say green is a calming colour, it's because of where it sits. Now, there is a green that I call green's alter ego, and that is lime green. Because when people say, oh, green is calming, then there's no colour that is always one thing. Um, Not all blues are calming, not all, you know, pinks are calming, especially not green. And it's this really bright lime green that 
Because there's so much yellow in it, it's a very zingy, very refreshing, it's a very lively, it's very invigorating. And and I have seen people put lime green into their house and then just go, oh, this was supposed to be relaxing and I feel very nervous and I feel very agitated. And I said, yes, because that's because of the high percentage of yellow in the green. And what colour should we avoid when we're feeling stressed? This will be personal, but just as an idea to, to share... If you're feeling physically overwhelmed and you're feeling really agitated and you're feeling really, really overwhelmed, then the the colour that I would suggest that you look into to avoid, because it's obviously not the same for everyone, is, is red. Because red can overheat us, it can overwhelm us, and then we will find that we get angry and annoyed and that's not how you want to feel. For some people, red is just the colour that they need as a pick-me-up because they might be feeling a bit tired, a bit sluggish, and they just need that little bit of motivation. But it's really just to do your own little test. You you can do your own little test and measuring and see how you feel if red is the colour that's doing that for you. Another colour that is a very high energy colour to consider avoiding is yellow. The really bright yellows, people can get very irritated and feel very annoyed because what it's doing, it's connecting to our nervous system. And that can lead to irritation. So for some people, it is a lovely, cheery lift me up, which is why I'm um, drawn to a lot of yellow at the moment. But some people actually find that they can get very depressed and feel very depressed around yellow because that's actually one of the psychological adverse, the adverse side of yellow can be irritated and then feeling quite depressed. So if you're feeling that, you're thinking, actually, I don't want any yellow in my life at the moment, just just go with what your gut feeling is telling you. But they're probably the the two colours that I find that people are most kind of having these reactions to at the moment. Brilliant. Karen, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. You always reinvigorate my love of colour and make me look at it in a different new way. And thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're more than welcome. My absolute pleasure. was really really interesting I absolutely love listening to that interview Marianne and I really love the way that Karen really thinks about colour it's really fascinating and to the point I have actually bought her book and I am ready and poised to read it I think over the next few weeks because I definitely want to know even more about that area so now we are moving on to one of my absolute favourite parts of the podcast where we talk to our very own Marianne aka Dr Dulux to answer your real life decorating questions and DIY dilemmas. So we could talk all week about colour, but if we aren't helping you achieve that look that you love in your home, then we just aren't doing a very good job. So this is the part of the show where we can really add a bit of colour to your life. I was just thinking how decorating dilemmas are just like the problems we face as human beings, you know, peeling, cracking surfaces, holes that need to be repaired. And I'm not even going to start on damp patches and mould Mm, I I think maybe we'll swerve that. I think that's for a different show special, maybe. And even then, I'm not sure we're the best ones to give advice on those topics. So, Dr. Dulux, are you ready for today's decorating dilemmas? I'm so ready. Well, let's crack on then. Surgery is open. Dr. Dulux will see you now. 
So our first question is all about getting back your curb appeal. So that's a kind of domestic cosmetic surgery kind of thing or is that a post lockdown fitness video uh well sort of it's uh <laughs> it's it's really more about making the outside of your home look as good as the inside really to make your neighbors jealous so this is a question from marie in reading she asks dear dr julux we have moved into our new home over a year ago and we have finished all of the decorating inside which now looks amazing. Only the outside lets it down. How do we go about painting the outside and where do we start? There's nothing like a front door in a beautiful colour or freshly painted exterior walls and window frames to make passers-by really notice how Mm. beautiful your home is. But my top tip for making it as easy as it can be is to plan what you are going to do and what you need a professional decorator to do. And that means all the easy stuff and the low-level stuff and all of the stuff off a ladder. So you need to get a decorator in to do all of the bits where you need ladders and scaffolding. So don't get into trouble and do anything dangerous. And then if you break down each of those tasks that you're going to do, like the front door, the entrance gate, the downstairs window frames, into weekend-sized chunks... And the next thing, make sure you've bought everything in advance so you don't waste time making trips to the DIY store when you could be painting. Yeah, that is the worst, isn't it? When you realise you've forgotten something. Preparation is key for any decorating job. It will make the job run smoothly. It'll make it look good. It'll make it last for years. And I know nobody likes to do it, but it's really important. So for all your exterior woodwork and masonry, you need to clean the surface as well first before you make any repairs and start applying any paint. And if you're cleaning masonry, Get a good stiff brush or jet wash. And for woodwork, it means washing down with sugar soap and rinsing with water and then drying before you start all of the filling and painting. Also, use products that are specifically designed for exterior decorating. Don't use anything for interiors because it just will not last. It hasn't been designed for the job. And that includes fillers, primers, undercoat and top coats. And if you want the job done in double quick time, choose quick drying solvent free paints and apply with good quality synthetic brushes. Also, very importantly, protect surfaces, including yourself, especially if it's windy. So protect yourself, protect the dog, protect the kids, the neighbor's car, the plants. And finally, check the weather. Don't start the job in the morning if you know it's going to rain in the afternoon. Oh, excellent. I love that you love answering these questions. So (laughs) our next question is around adding a bit of creative flair to a child's bedroom. And it's from Laura and James in Sheffield. So they write, Dear Dr. Dulux, our son Callum, who is now six, has just moved into a new bedroom. It's a bit of a blank canvas and I'm struggling to know how to add a bit of a personality to it and create a space that he will really enjoy playing and sleeping in. But that also won't take me a month to complete. Can you help me with some ideas? There are loads of amazing easy transformations you can make in a child's room in just a weekend. It depends what they're into and what they want to do in the space. So if you think about that room as a little world just for Callum, you can design it to do lots of different things in. You can create a little place for them to play, a little place for him to think, a little place to read, to create stuff and to dream. Just a strong block of colour can focus attention and be a great place to put a little desk where kids can read, do homework or make stuff. And a rainbow over the bed, a sky full of clouds or confetti, a jungle, superhero city skyline, they're all achieved 
achievable with a few simple techniques you can learn how to do. And you can learn how to do these online on the Gilux YouTube channel. We'll include links to this in the show notes. So please check them out at the end of the show. So sadly, we do have to move on. However, Dr. Gilux, aka Marianne, does do regular Q&A sessions on our Gilux Instagram page. So it is definitely worth looking out for those if you have a burning question Mm -hmm. that you need some help with. Well, we're nearly at the end of another show, Steph, but we can't leave you without reminding us all how colour just makes life better. So here's a bit of feel-good colour from our special guest, Karen Hala. So I was studying fashion design and I was studying millinery. This is when I had left uh, school. I was doing this in in Sydney at night at, at college. And I had just blocked this beautiful dark teal blue felt hat and I was putting on chocolate brown ribbons and feathers. And as is my way, you know, everyone was quite beavering away doing their, their their own hats. And out of nowhere, out of my mouth just went, oh, my God, it's colour. And everyone looked at me and went, what do you mean? And I went, I don't know what I mean, but I, I, I need to find out. And that's that's what really then started me on the quest to start learning as much as I can and years and years and years of just learning and learning and learning until I hit upon colour psychology because I knew it was more than the colour wheel. I knew it was like, why do we feel this way? Why do I react? Why do I respond? Why is it that I love one colour one day and not the next? Why do you love this blue and I don't? And I just knew that it was far more than just the colour wheel. I knew it's got to be much, much more deeper. And that's when I went off onto my quest. And I guess my next big epiphany was when I realised it was applied colour psychology. It thought, my God, it's actually got a name. And then I've not, I've not looked back since then. Oh, that was a really great addition to finish the show on. That's a really great reminder of just how colour can make us feel differently. Well, next time we'll be talking about colour trends and trend forecasting with global colour expert Laura Perryman. And we'll be diving into a colour that changes the way we feel about our homes. Maybe this is the new favourite colour, but it's not grey. I would describe it as mist hanging over mountains in the morning or the colour of stones. Steph, help me out here. It's a very, very natural colour, isn't it? They're definitely a colour that you will find more in nature. And I would say it's the new grey, but it's not grey, but it's also not beige. And one more clue, it's not yellow. There we go. So I think we've given you lots of clues there, (laughs) listeners. Thank you so much for listening today. We always have so much fun recording this and we really hope that you enjoyed listening too. If you have a decor dilemma for Dr. Dulux or feel you need to confess a questionable colour choice to get it off your chest, then get in touch as we'd love to help. Pop us an email or send us a voice note to askdrdulux at axonobel.com. That's A-K-Z-O-N-O-B-E-L dot com. Oh, last thing, we would really appreciate it if you could take a short minute to just rate and review the show. Absolutely, because if you love colour as much as we love colour, we want to keep doing this. And we knew at this, aren't we, Steph? Absolutely. And your support really does mean everything to us. So thank you for listening and do take that short moment. But for now, see you next time. See you next time. Mm-hmm.